Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, we're here, folks. I can't promise my mood. I can't say it's much better than it was last week, but we are. We're back at it again. And White Boy Malcolm X, as pissed off as I was last week, how the hell did we still wind up doing in our podcast? And that's rhetorical, sir. So just sit there and look pretty. I don't know what it is putting me in this bad mood, but probably the stories I have. Another batch of weird. Another batch of Alice in Wonderland stories. Gaslighting from the mainstream media. Not that we don't appreciate the effort that they put into some of these stories. But, uh, yeah, they kind of set me off. But despite that, I hope everyone out there I hope all of you are having yourselves a grand gay old time this weekend. I know you women folk out there, down for the struggle, down for the sisterhood. I know you are definitely having yourselves a grand gay old time celebrating the last few days of Women's History Month. So to all you women out there, you women with hoo-hoos, you women with penises, you part-time women out there, you drag queens, you gender-fluid folks, happy Women's History Month to all of you. And I, I cannot wait until April comes around so we can find out, no doubt from woke Starbucks or woke HBO Max, sending out their Virtue signaling emails showing how down for the struggle they are with whoever gets the, whoever's the flavor of the month next month. And I think, White Boy Malcolm X, I think, let's just go ahead and jump into things. I was going to, well, for an opening monologue, talk maybe about the Oscars. But let's face it, folks, nobody cares about the Oscars. Oh, sure, you got the star effers out there, the People Magazine crowd, the TMZ crowd, the usual types who have to watch these stupid award shows so they can gawk at their favorite celebrities. But most people, normal people, out there in flyover country, very few, if any people, are going to be watching that. Apple... Woke Apple, those clowns over at Apple, put Nicole Hannah-Jones, that woke, angry, America-hating BIPOC chick from the New York Times, the one that wrote that fraud, the 1619 Project. They put her, that clown, and folks, she literally is a clown. That woman has purple hair just like a clown. But they put her in their stupid Time to Walk series. So this whole week, this whole past week, every morning when I go out to do my walk, I got to look at that stupid woke clown on my watch. I did not buy that Apple watch. So every morning when I use their fitness app, I got to look at some stupid leftist yapping on, yep, 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 in their Time to Walk series. What the hell is that woman going to say? I'll tell you what, 
I haven't even listened to it, but I already know exactly what she's going to say. For 30 minutes, Whitey sucks. Whitey is the devil. You white people out there with your white supremacy, your white power, your white fragility, white this, white that, blah, 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 supported by systemic racism, rich enough that you can buy an Apple Watch, afford an Apple Watch. You suck. You're the devil. Go to hell. That's pretty much, basically, what that chick would have to say. And if the 1619 Project, that pack of BS, if that wasn't bad enough, this woman is so stupid, with a hatred of America second to none, she tried to argue on Twitter that the U.S., that we nuked Japan, not because we had to, The war at that point was basically over because, well, we spent all that money to build that bomb. We might as well use it. Let's go nuke the Japs. And they hand her to tell you how debased, how worthless a Pulitzer is these days. They hand that woke, purple-headed clown. They hand her Pulitzers like candy on Halloween. Another one, another holiday, she'll probably find racist, try to argue that handing out candy to kids on Halloween is rooted in handing out whatever to the slaves back in the day. Not that the Times can ever fire her. Talk about a hostage situation. I can only imagine how loud The hissy fit coming from her, screaming racism, screaming sexism, screaming discrimination against the purple-headed. What kind of meltdown she would have if the Times kicked her to the curb? Not that they would. At the Times, especially these past couple of years, the inmates run the asylum. And I was going to comment, those virgin pajama eunuchs working over there at Woke Twitter. I'll tell you what, every time somebody points out that Rachel Levine, yes, folks, the same Rachel Levine, the transgender woman that USA Today named one of their women of the year. But every time over there on Woke Twitter, that someone points out that Rachel used to be Richard Levine, woke Twitter, they suspend their accounts for hateful conduct. Kind of like hateful conduct when you call Jake Tapper an hysterical drama queen. But if you point out over there on woke Twitter that Rachel Levine used to be Richard Levine, boom, you get your account suspended. Babylon B, they named Rachel Levine their man of the year. Twitter suspended them, but the guy who runs that site, and it's kind of funny, folks. They got some really good stuff over there, but he's like, meh, whatever. Keep it closed. I am not deleting that post. So, The Babylon Bee got suspended. Charlie Kirk, he's another one. He got sent to the doghouse. He founded Turning Point USA. I think he's also a a talk show host. Someone else got suspended. Can't think of who that was. And then at the tail end of this, Tucker Carlson, suffering from Madonna syndrome. Oh, look at me, look at me. I'm still relevant. He goes on to Twitter, posted something about the Babylon Bee and Charlie Kirk getting suspended. I think he posted screenshots of what they did, the things they put up to get themselves suspended. And shock of shocks, he got suspended as well, which I think he did personally. 
just for a little attention. But we gave him some. We tossed Tucker a bone here, gave him some as well. So let's go ahead. Let's move on. Let's dig into this podcast. And white boy Malcolm X, use that damn watch, sir. I do not want another one-hour podcast. I don't care what it takes. No one-hour podcast. So our first story, folks, is from Queerty. Those girls over at Queerty. Colton Underwood, that new gaby, Colton Underwood, really wants a TV wedding, but nobody wants to air it. When I saw this story, White Boy Malcolm X, I have to say, I got really angry with myself and with you, sir, but mostly with myself. How the hell did we miss Colton Underwood, that new gaby, that new queen? How did we miss him getting a sugar daddy, getting himself engaged? How did we miss that? And that's rhetorical, sir. So just sit there and look pretty. But Colton Underwood, folks, he is now engaged to political strategist Jordan C. Brown. And Colton, being the media whore that he is, he's trying to sell that, pitch a a TV wedding, get himself another payday like daddy, his new husband, won't provide everything for him anyway. But Colton, he's going around trying to get someone to write the check, write him a check, pay for that wedding, show that wedding on whatever platform purchases it. And unfortunately for Colton, not that it surprises me, but nobody is interested. He goes to these meetings. And I guess they're all like, meh, you're boring, Colton. Nobody wants to watch you marry your sugar daddy. Now, I know that Colton, his shelf life, his ability to make huge bank, that's pretty much come and gone. Without a sugar daddy, the best Colton has going for him, the best he's ever going to aspire to after all this, he might be, folks, one of these days, the top salesman at a Buick dealership somewhere in flyover country. Still better, a much better outcome than what that lying black queen, Jussie Smollett, what he has in store for his future. If he's lucky, a barista at Starbucks. So Colton, he's still going to be better than that. But without the sugar daddy, that's about it. Salesman of the month at a Buick dealership in Oklahoma City. So I understand why Colton got himself a sugar daddy. But the guy just came out of the closet and now he's getting married. That's what lesbians do, not queens. A queen, and you queens know what I'm talking about. They like a good couple of years, a good run, whoring around, sowing their wild oats, trying to get it out of their system before they settle down, even though about half of them, when they do finally settle down, they get themselves one of them open relationships so they can have their cake, eat it too. So maybe Colton's got him one of these. He tells Jordan, I'll be your arm candy, but I'm going to bang or get banged by whoever I want. Jordan, he's probably like, okay, that's fair. Just sit there and look pretty, Colton. I'll take care of everything else. But white boy Malcolm X, the only question I have is, what is going to happen to Worthy, Colton's guide, his escort, his pimp. Goose 
Kentworthy. That was one of his primary jobs. Shepherding Colton around town, whoring that kid out in the process. But what, white boy Malcolm X, what is Goose going to do now that he's losing one of his jobs? Get himself another one. Like who? Taryn Edgerton. <laughs> Man, white boy Malcolm X. You're going to upset the Tarantulas. You say something like that. That Goose Kentworthy can guide, mentor, pimp out Taryn Edgerton when maybe possibly Taryn comes out of the closet. Assuming he's not already out of the closet, they're just not reporting on it. Oh, I'm sure that media whore. Speaking of media whores, Goose and Colton, they were the perfect combination. But I'm sure he'll find himself another gig, keep himself in the spotlight as well. So I guess the only other question I would have, what's his finder's fee? If his job was to get Colton a sugar daddy, depending on how much money Jordan C. Brown has, how much he makes. I just want to know what Goose Cantworthy's finder's fee was when he poured out Colton, sold him off to Jordan C. Brown, who I suspect at some point he's going to be like, I don't care how good looking that kid is. Man, is he dumb. I can't deal with that. Sit there and look pretty. That only works for so long. So, Colton, good luck on your upcoming nuptials. Have yourself a grand gay old time getting married to Jordan C. Brown. Enjoy your sugar daddy. Enjoy that grand gay lifestyle. Daddy's going to keep you up in. Kind of like... Dustin Lance Black has to pay for Tom Daly. Keep that spoiled little queen propped up in his grand lifestyle. But you kids have fun. Enjoy your time together. But let's move on. From the Federalist. To America's virtue signaling elite, Ukraine is the new Black Lives Matter. For America's ruling class, The conflict in Ukraine doesn't represent a tragedy, but an opportunity for self-aggrandizement. No kidding. That's half of what they do in the ruling class is virtue signal. Show how down for the struggle they are, no matter what the struggle is. Now, I'm sure Patrice Conkoolers, all the other good woke folk, in BLM, all those other social justice groups raking in huge piles of Benjamins. At least they have been for the last couple of years. I'm sure they're a little bit butthurt that the ruling class found a new shiny toy to play with. They're not getting the love they used to. But you folks from Ukraine, you folks where this is your cause, fighting for a free Ukraine. Enjoy the spotlight while you can. The ruling class, they're pretty fickle. They're going to move on here at some point. So get those Benjamins from them while you can. Enjoy it while you can. But don't be surprised when the ruling class finds themselves someone else to, to adore. From the Boston Herald, Boston police pick up alleged pimp on Mass and Cass. And Mass and Cass, down in Boston, that's an intersection down there. A notorious intersection down there in Boston where you can get hoes and drugs, any flavor of either that your heart desires. And normally, they might 
Well, they might have from time to time. They might go down there, try to enforce the rules. But for the most part, if you want a hoe, if you want drugs, you can go down to Mass and Cass, and it's kind of like whatever your heart desires, no questions asked, no popo around to get you. But I guess popo down there in Boston showed up there at Mass and Cass, and oddly enough, especially in Boston, they decided to enforce the law. And so Keon Boggs, who is 40, he got arrested and charged with trafficking for sexual servitude. And I have to say, folks, I was a little taken aback that Keon Boggs, that he was charged with basically being a pimp. And I only say that because, well, over the last couple of years, being a prostitute, a hooker, a hoe, well, I guess now you call them sex workers. That was or is a noble profession. In fact, I would struggle to identify a more noble profession than being a sex worker, at least according to the leftist woke folk out there, the ones who chastise you for calling them hoes or prostitutes or hookers. They've rebranded. You can't call them a hooker or a prostitute or a hoe any longer. You got to call them sex workers. They teach that in college now, how great it is to be a sex worker, how there should be no stigma attached to being one to going out there and selling your body if you should choose to go down that path. But folks, let's be realistic. If you have sex workers, you have pimps. So you can't have a sex worker, a noble profession like being a sex worker, and then denigrate the other side of that coin, her pimp. What is the job of a pimp? A pimp's job, that's to look after his sex workers. He handles the cash. He arranges the transactions. He makes sure nobody is beaten up on his sex worker. So he's kind of like the accountant, the scheduler, the bodyguard. He does all that work, runs that interference as needed. So the sex worker, again, folks, a very noble profession, one of the noblest out there. But yet here, now in Boston, they're going after the pimp. Well, as they say, Pimping ain't easy, but it's a whole lot of fun. From NPR, how to manage the homework of adulthood from paperwork to repairs. So another article, this one from NPR, on how to adult, how to go about adulting in in life. And I assume that this is for Millennial Gen Z kids out there. You know, folks, the ones that lived in their parents' basement until they were 30 or 35 years old before mom and dad threw them out of the house. Get the hell out. We're tired of paying for your crap, cleaning up after you, watching you live in our basement, eat our food, play video games all day. That's who I assume these articles, and there have been quite a few of these articles, basically telling adults how to adult. And I read this one and I'm like, I just, I cannot wrap my head around needing a news article from, you know, a place like NPR to help me manage adulthood. I guess because... You know, I could not wait 
to adult when I was younger. When I was a a teenager, especially the closer I got to uh, to 18, I could not wait to uh, to go to college, to graduate, to start adulting. Could not wait to do it. Get out of my parents' house, go get my own one, stand up on my own. And nothing against Mama Frost or Daddy Frost, but they were old school. They were both... Well, my dad, he was from the silent generation, right before the boomers. And my mom, she was a very early boomer. So she was more in tune with the the generation before hers than the boomers. But they taught us, all of us, kind of how to take care of ourselves. How to, now I hated it at the time, but, you know, had a dust and vacuum, clean up after yourselves, do your laundry, had to do yard work, had to work on a car, things like that, had to adult. And since I wanted to adult, I wanted to get out and do my own thing. I absorbed all those lessons and I couldn't wait to put them into practice. So I didn't need a news article, not that they had them, Back, what was that, 30-plus years ago? They didn't have articles about how to adult because everyone back then knew how to do it, for the most part anyway. And I'll tell you a quick story. So when I met my ex, and this was back in 93, back in Atlanta, but when I met him, I think he kind of struggled a little bit with how to adult. Like, for example, he had a uh, a small trust fund. Now, white boy Malcolm X, you would look at that trust fund and you would think, meh, that's not even a weekend. What I would spend in a weekend from my ex-trust fund. So you, sir, you would turn up your nose at that, that little pile of money being called a trust fund. But he had a small trust fund. And so every quarter, he got like a couple thousand dollars. And that's how he paid his bills. Every three months, the money would come in and he would pay his bills every three months, which is not really adulting. It's like, here's your allowance. And then he kind of, he spent it that way. So when we got together, like actually became a couple, The very first thing I did was I took that checkbook away. I'm like, you do not know how to pay your bills like an adult. I will take care of that for you. And I did, folks. For 15 plus years, I did a good bit of the adulting for the two of us. Not that he couldn't have figured it out on his own, but I was not going to run the risk. Him not paying a bill. Something getting, like the lights getting turned off. So I just did it myself. But you, uh, you millennial Gen Z kids out there, if this helps, these sorts of articles telling you how to, how to pay your bills, how to, how to manage life as an adult, I guess, whatever it takes. And that pile right there on my desk, white boy Malcolm X. That is my, that's my adult pile. I got to tackle that this week. All sorts of adulting going on right there. But I will, like an adult, because I put my adult pants on, I'm going to get that done. From NBC6, South Florida, man arrested for attempted sexual assault of woman inside Miami-Dade Walmart. Now, I know, folks, that Florida is nutty. A Walmart in Florida, that's a whole other level of nutty. But I tell you what, who the hell goes to a Walmart thinking, man, I'm going to rape someone 
right there in the aisle. Now, we did have that story. I think it was a smoking gun story where that weirdo, he went into a Walmart in Florida and he raped a uh, some sort of Disney doll right there, defiled it all the way to the end. And if memory serves me correctly, I think we made a joke that he was a queen because he went in there, started humping like a, a unicorn. Someone caught him doing that. So he like skedaddled off, found another doll. I forgot what the other doll was. But I remember being like, only a queen would try to hump a unicorn and whatever this other kind of doll was. So raping in a Walmart, yes, it's happened before, but not like this. But unlike the, uh, unlike that doll, that guy defiled, this one at least, people were like, uh, no, that is not going on. It may be Florida, it may be a Walmart, but we're going to draw the line here, right here, right now. So good. Glad she's okay. Glad you find folks in Florida, down there in Miami-Dade, in that Walmart, came to her rescue, and I can only imagine what kind of creeper tried to do that. But it's Florida, so I got a pretty good picture inside my head. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. From Breitbart, Gavin Newsom signs law to make abortions free in California. So of all the issues going on out there in California, and I live there, I know I've said this before, but I lived there for 11 years, back 99 to 09. We started out in San Francisco, well, north of the city, other side of the Golden Gate Bridge, did a year in Sausalito, a year in Mill Valley, just over a year in Mill Valley, went down to San Diego, North County, did a year in Del Mar, a couple of years in Cardiff, then up to La La Land, Hollywood for a year, and then Hancock Park. But of all the issues facing California, and they've got a Huge number of problems, folks. This, as always, in California. Abortion, that's the priority. And, you know, I went out to California last August, flew into L.A., went to see a friend of mine, drove down to San Diego, see a couple friends down there. Now, San Diego, that's like covid Didn't do any damage down there. North County, San Diego, just as fancy and pristine as it was when I moved out of there. Still just as nice. Still a great area of the country. But L.A., when I was there, I tell you what, L.A., and I hate to say this because I really liked, I enjoyed my time living in L.A. But L.A., it's basically, it's become a dump. 
I stayed on La Cienega, right down from right next to the uh, the Beverly the Beverly Mall. There used to be a really nice area. All these great shops up and down the street. A lot of which, I would say, most of which, they're gone because during COVID, all these businesses they got shut down, couldn't survive without customers. So they're there are a ton of boarded up shops. My friend met me down there at the hotel. We walked over to West Hollywood. Same damn thing. All these places closed down. And the homeless encampments right there on the street. People with these huge tents basically turning a sidewalk into their house. Tents everywhere. Shopping carts Full of stuff everywhere, homeless everywhere, drug addicts everywhere. But what are they worried about in Sacramento? Prohibiting insurance companies from charging a deductible, a copay, or a deductible for the procedure. So, well, we're talking about California here. So normally I would say a woman can get an abortion for free. But since it's California, a a birthing person, they can get an abortion for free. That's the priority for Gavin Newsom. That and going up to French Laundry, enjoying himself a fancy dinner when everyone else is locked up in their house. And maybe because I'm, well, I am a big old queen. And at 52... Again, folks, I am an old queen. So on this topic, I am never, ever, 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 ever going to have to worry about knocking up some woman or a man with a vagina. It is 2022, folks. Women can have penises. Men can have vaginas. That's just reality. But I am never going to have to worry about utilizing this service. So maybe that's why I'm just, I'm fascinated with this being such a a major topic with people. The hill they want to die on all day, every day. But uh, you folks in California, with your free abortions, have yourselves a grand gay old time Doing that, I suppose, while the rest of the house, the rest of the state, is collapsing all around you. You all have fun with that. From Fox Business, Disney employees are walking out to demand more LGBTQ support. And what this is about, folks, is that Disney CEO Bob Chapek I think that's how you pronounce his name. C-H-A-P-E-C. Bob, if you're out there, uh, apologize for butchering your last name. No idea how to pronounce it. But we'll go with Bob Chapek. Or just Bob. We'll just make it easier. But Bob, with his Florida law, the ones they call the don't say gay bill, He has not come out forcefully enough for his employees against that bill. And so now, a lot of them, they're a little butthurt. They're a little triggered about it. And so they're walking out on the job. Now, Bob, to buy himself, try to buy himself some goodwill with his unhappy employees. After a shareholder meeting, he... uh. He stopped political donations in Florida and to make all the professional gay organizations happy. He vowed that Disney, they would contribute a couple more million dollars to those causes, to the professional gay causes, places like GLAAD and Human Rights Campaign. And he also said that he would meet with Ron DeSantis Tell Ron, tell the governor how 
He does not like that bill. Now, the bill, just to remind everyone, the bill restricts Florida educators from having talks about sexual orientation or gender identity with kids in kindergarten up through third grade. So you're not allowed anymore in the state of Florida to talk to a seven-year-old about maybe possibly them needing to have super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns. And it's amazing to me how much, how the media, how the gay activists, how the attention seekers like Justin Buttigieg, that low-rank queen from Indiana, how they have mischaracterized what is in this law, what its purpose is, and what it actually does, how they're selling this narrative, lying about this narrative, that this law targets young gay people, is going after young gay people, which is simply not true. It's a big lie. But that's the state of the world in which we live today. And Disney Plus, all those good woke folk over at Disney Plus, still no doubt beaming that they got Gina Carano fired off The Mandalorian, got her trashed, tossed off that show over politics, over her political beliefs. They issued they issued a statement last week that said in part that Disney Plus stands by our LGBTQIA plus employees. So more letters of the alphabet stuck onto that stupid acronym, but stands by our alphabet soup employees, colleagues, families, storytellers, and fans. And we strongly denounce all legislation that infringes on the basic human rights of people in the LGBTQIA plus community, especially legislation that targets and harms young people and their families, which is a lie, an absolute total lie brought to you by the woke folk over at Disney+. Plus. Now again, folks, I am a queen. I am an old queen at 52. I managed, and white boy Malcolm X, I believe you managed to come out of the closet. You did just fine with that, just like I did. And neither of us, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, sir, you did grow up in Colorado, but neither of us had any instruction whatsoever, had any discussion whatsoever growing up in elementary school, junior high school, high school, about sexual orientation, definitely not gender identity. Did I get that right, sir? You managed to come out just fine, come out as a big old queen without needing any instruction whatsoever from the public school system. Oops, I take that back. I know how fancy you are. The private school system. You were okay. That's what I thought. Now I went to public school. But either way, neither of us, we got no instruction whatsoever. And we managed to do it, to come out just fine. This is just a really odd hill to want to die on. The right to discuss gender identity, and sexual orientation with a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. That is just damn odd to me. But I guess to members of our tribe, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe, much like a typical Californian, when abortion comes up, off to the hill, they go to die. But I guess... To the tribe, having that right to discuss those things with kids that young, they're going to do whatever it takes to have that right. Now, I'm sure in California, I'm sure somewhere, the right to discuss 
sexual orientation, gender identity. I suspect it's probably enshrined in the state constitution that teachers, whoever, have the right to talk to your kids about that crap. But not in Florida. And so they're all, all those queens down at Disney having themselves a fit over a lie. But you girls down there having that fit, enjoy it. Enjoy those checks. Disney's going to be writing to all you, to all you professional gays, you cocktail swirling gays in the professional gay class. So you all, you have fun with that. From Fox News, Whoopi Goldberg demands apology from British royal family for colonial past. Somebody is listening. Not to you, Whoopi. Not to you, dear. And so I guess Prince William and his wife, Kate Middleton, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, the only members of the royal family worth a damn in about two generations. William, he is his grandmother's grandkid, but his father, complete blithering idiots. He's got the uncle who allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, was BFFs with that creeper pervert, Jeffrey Epstein. That family, other than the queen, and now Prince William and his wife, it's mostly a pack of losers. And that's not even mentioning Prince Harry Ginger and his social climbing wife, Meghan Markle. But the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, they're touring the Caribbean to celebrate Queen Elizabeth's her jubilee. And so while they're down there, you know, I guess the the royal family's treatment of the colonial empire, their former colonies, I guess they've gone woke down there in the Caribbean, having themselves a fit over history, over, well, whatever went on there. Prince William, Kate Middleton, they weren't even around, were not a thought in their parents' eyes when this crap was going down. But those two are there, front and center, and so they're getting the brunt of some protests down there. They're getting the brunt of people's collective frustrations from over the years. But Prince William, during a dinner hosted by the governor general in Jamaica, did say something, expressed his profound sorrow, talking about how slavery was abhorrent, it should have never have happened. But what does he get for his trouble? And again, folks, William, his wife, nothing to do with this crap. So the day after he does that, says that at that dinner, Whoopi Goldberg, she comes out a day late and a dollar short, demanding they apologize. Again, the day after he he basically did just that. I tell you what, the view, those women on the view, and I don't know who's even on there anymore. I mean, you got Whoopi, you got Joy Behar. I don't know who the other two are ever since Megan McCain, another blithering idiot, since she left, I only know of the two. But that group on The View, it's a bunch of women all suffering from Madonna syndrome. Oh, look at me, look at me. I'm still relevant. Can you imagine being Prince William? Now, granted, you're what? Second in line to the throne? But your father, he's a complete moron. Your brother, another complete moron. A Star Wars bar of a family. So, while everyone thinks he's living a grand, gay old lifestyle, and to some extent he is, he's got a lot of baggage he's got to deal with day in 
day out. But can you imagine being Prince William and having some rich, vapid, spoiled, entitled celebrity of privilege and not his sister-in-law, but another one lecturing him on what he needs to do to atone for his family's past. But but if I were Prince William, I'd be like, what the hell? I got to deal with this stupid, rich celebrity chick whose career has spiraled down to, she's basically one of four yentas yapping on, yap, 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 on a daytime talk show watched by stupid, vapid, star-effing housewives and queens who has to say outlandish things, nutty things, to keep the attention, keep the spotlight on her. Although, I suspect, having had to deal with Meghan Markle, having to watch her trash the family as well, Whoopi, he's probably like, eh, whatever. Shut your rich pie hole. And for our last story, folks, It's from Pink News. Those girls over at Pink News. Non-binary people have worse mental health than other genders. Eye-opening study finds. And this actually ties in nicely. There's another story I had. I didn't want to discuss it separately. But it's from the Daily Orange, which is the student newspaper at Syracuse University. And it's the headline there is my slices pronoun limits leave trans gender expansive students feeling unseen. And that's by Abby Greenfield, ABI can't spell Abby the normal way has to be different yet again, but my slice, I think that is there. It's their student, whatever platform they're at Syracuse. But Abby Greenfield, she uh, she went to Syracuse, at least according to this article, because she was really excited because, I guess, the college admissions process there at Syracuse, they were all about, oh, we're very inclusive here. Everything is so wonderful. We're so supportive of the LGBT plus community. And Abby... She couldn't wait to get to college, to come out at college as agender, and on top of that, her new gender. She also had to have super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns, and she went with they-she. So not they-them, or what did Halsey do, white boy Malcolm X? She-they. Was that what she did? That's what I thought. No, Abby decided they, she. She flipped Halsey, flipped Halsey's pronouns, rearranged the order. But this article, Abby's article about her, about her experience on my slice, she goes in there to update the platform on her super special pain in the ass pronouns. And she gets to the pronoun tool And they've got a drop down and they only have six options. She, her, he, him, they, them, Z here, use my name and ask me. Which pretty much cover all the bases. But Abby, she wanted they, she as a drop down option. She didn't get it. She got butthurt. And she was already butthurt, folks, because... Out of six classes that Abby has there at Syracuse, only one of her professors, just one out of six, asked the class to introduce themselves and their pronouns. So she was already pissed off like any good millennial Gen Z brat who's not getting their way. Pissed off like that, which is pretty pissed off. Probably worse than if they went to Starbucks and they couldn't get their 
venti, caramel, macchiato, whatever crap. Pissed off like that, but worse. And this is, this is the pull quote of the ages. This sums up everything that I mock about these millennial Gen Z brats and their super special pain-in-the-ass gender identities and their super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns. The tool, and she's talking about my slice here, the tool I thought would be the holy grail of inclusion and respect in my classes and beyond simply did not have a space for my identity. So that's the hill Abby has chosen to die on. Syracuse University's My Slice does not have a pronoun option that suits her super special pain-in-the-ass needs. But getting back to the Pink News story from those girls over at Pink News, non-binary people, they have, according to this study, worse mental health than other genders, although I don't know how many genders they're talking about. There are at least seven or eight, and I'm sure more are coming. But this study, or I guess it's kind of a survey, Mental State of the World Report 2021, found that more than one in two non-binary people, 51%, are clinically distressed or struggling. And I saw that, and I'm thinking, no duh, no kidding that these kids have worse mental health than other genders. Now, I'm not saying that to make fun of them, to pick on them, to demean them, to tease them for having mental health issues. Not doing that at all. I'm just saying, as my sister would say, I'm just saying that this doesn't surprise me in the least. And the reason it doesn't surprise me in the least that these kids are having issues, are suffering from clinical distress or struggling is because I think a lot of them, they're, they're generally unhappy with themselves, unhappy with their lives, their situation, the place they find themselves in. And so to, to mitigate the, uh, the pain and suffering, whatever they're going through, to find themselves, to find their bliss, what have you. They are, I think a lot of them are, playing around with gender identity, sexual orientation, to see if that is going to fix what ails them. And I only say playing around because, and we've talked about this study a couple times now on this podcast, but you had that study where 20% of Gen Z kids identify as some sort of queer. And folks, anyone with half a brain knows that is statistically impossible. You can't tell me that after eons and eons, generations and generations of people in our tribe, again, our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe, where we have been, folks like white boy Malcolm X and I, two middle-aged queens, where we have been, what, 3 to 5% of the population, generation after generation after generation. Then suddenly, millennials come along. Suddenly, they're like 10 to 12%. And now, Gen Z out there, 20% queer, some sort of queer. So to me, a card-carrying member of the tribe, and I have been out of the closet over 30 years, so I know what I'm talking about. But a lot of these kids, they're just dabbling in it to help, help them find themselves, help them feel better about themselves. We're just a stop along the way, popping into the tribe to see if, that, if that's going to work. And it's not. 
changing your gender identity isn't going to fix all your problems. And I was just talking to white boy Malcolm X about this the other day. And I told him, I was like, you know, when I first came out, that was back in 1991, way back when. Again, folks, I am an old queen. But back in the early 90s, you know, when we went out to gay bars, nobody, and folks, I mean nobody, went around saying, well, I'm a gender and my pronouns are zizirza. Nobody did that. It just did not happen. Full stop. And so, all of a sudden, what? The last 10 years or so, all of a sudden, we go from two genders to seven or eight. We have two sets of pronouns. Now we've got, God knows, how many sets of super special, pain-in-the-ass pronouns. We've got all this crazy going on out there because these kids think it's the holy grail that's going to fix them, make them happy, content, whatever. And I use them as an example. I'll use the right pronouns, even if they are super special and unique or not so unique these days since everyone's doing it. But I'll use Demi Lovato yet again as an example of why this simply doesn't work. Demi, they are on their second reboot. You had Demi 1.0, Demi as a heterosexual woman. Then she rebooted herself. She came out as pansexual. What is a pansexual? It's a snooty bisexual. Distinction without difference. But she was then Demi 2.0. Then Demi came out because being a pansexual did not fix her, fix what ails her. So she came out Demi 3.0. Now Demi is non-binary with super special pain in the ass pronouns, they them. But guess what, folks? It still didn't fix her. She's still miserable. So now what? Demi, she's thinking about a third reboot. Demi Lovato, 4.0, transgender man. And I can already tell you, folks, at whatever point they do this, and they will, if only for the attention, Demi Lovato, they, as a transgender man, ain't going to fix, ain't going to fix that problem. So these kids, these non-binary kids, with their super special, pain-in-the-ass pronouns, kind of like Abby Greenfield, over there at Syracuse University, she's, she's disillusioned, she's unhappy, because she wants everyone to acknowledge her being agender and use her they-she pronouns. But she's unhappy because five of six professors don't ask her for it. The system over there at Syracuse University can't handle her version of super special pain in the ass pronouns. But they're looking for whatever and think this, these weird gender choices, these pain in the ass pronoun combinations are going to fix everything. And when they don't, and they won't, it's natural. It makes sense that their fix, the idea, the thing they thought would fix them, make them feel better about themselves. It didn't work. So it's natural. It's expected that disillusion, depression, anxiety, other mental health issues would follow. It's like, I'm just trying to think of another example. Like if you're really fat and you're thinking, I want to date someone. I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm going to be fantastic. I'm going to go out and get me some strapping young stud or whatever reason you want to lose all that weight for. But you lose all that weight thinking that 
Now that the weight's off, all these wonderful things are going to happen. And guess what, folks? Nine times out of ten, nothing fantastic happens. Yeah, you've lost a lot of weight, but that doesn't guarantee you any level of happiness, better dating pool odds, what have you. But that's a lesson I think these kids, they're learning the hard way, which is a shame. But, you know, these sorts of, these sorts of fixes don't bring about, well, aren't the panacea that everyone thinks they are. And so this is what you get, the aftermath of setting up expectations, thinking that whatever you're going to do, be it lose weight, change your gender identity, dye your hair orange, thinking that white boy Malcolm X, he'll give you access to his ex-trust fund. But when nothing good comes to pass, this, again, is what you get. Not surprising to me anyway, in the least. So on that note, since I cannot top non-binary people having mental health issues, even if most of it is self-induced, brought on by low self-esteem and an incessant urge to always feel super special and unique, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this weekend edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your weekend, a good start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. 